0: In view of all the publicity about the PGA tournament at the Belle Reve Country Club, we wondered about the name Bel Reve. Was it named after a person, a place, or something else? When in doubt, ask someone who knows, and we will. Joining me now is Sharon Person, professor of English at St. Louis Community College. Sharon, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me back, Don. I'm a, I'm a long-time listener, and now I'm a third-time guest. All right, three times. Yeah. We'll have a carnation for you <laughs> or something when
0: all of this is over. Well, well tell me... Is it a person, a place, or something else?
1: Oh, it's a person. And when they voted to name the country club, they knew who they were voting for.
0: But most of us don't.
1: Well, (laughs) and this is a really interesting question. How did they know and why don't we? But I'm not sure I necessarily want to go there. Um, But uh, I have to say that when I was doing the historical research uh, on St. Louis and uh, uh, Dr. Carl Eckberg and I, he's the don of uh, French history of this area, if I can mix my uh, nationalities there, Mm -hmm. Um, when we were doing the research, uh, Bell Reef Country Club um, uh, allowed us to come out uh, and look around the grounds, and uh, we were looking at their history book, and Uh, They, in fact, have the history of how the name came about. And I I have a little quote to make sure that I can get the other names correct. Um, But this was in 1910. Uh, They had founded the club in 1897, but they were ready to expand to a full-fledged 18-hole course. Uh, But the members could not agree on the name for the club. And they ended up having a secret ballot, and uh, uh, Belle Reve was the overwhelming favorite, Mm. and the other ones lagged far behind. Um, And when I think about 1910 and what they could have known about Belle Reve at that time, it's very curious to me how that came about— uh, except, I, I think that they would be very happy to know that now that we know so much more about Belrive, it was a wonderful selection. A mm-hmm. wonderful selection. Um, they would have known that he was the uh, first government, the head of the first government. Well, let's have his full this. name first, oh, okay. it's so it sounds mm-hmm. so French, which it is. Of course. Well, a uh, French Canadian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in Canada. Um, it's louis Saint-Ange de Belrive. Mm-hmm. And he took the Belle Rive name actually from his mother's side of the family. And the reason that he added that to the Saint-Ange name, uh, actually their family name was Groton, and his father had added the de Saint-Ange, uh, and so the family started to use that. But Louis had an older brother, and so he needed to distinguish himself from uh, his brother. And so Louis, the younger brother, Added the name Bell Reve, whereas the older brother just always signed his name, uh, son of Saint Ange.
0: Well, let's let's uh, get into what he was. He was a big deal in these parts, as they say.
1: He was, and um, again, uh, that has uh, his history has been lost. And we can talk about how to do historical research a little bit later if you want. But I can just talk about Belrive. rive his his father was a French-Canadian military man. Actually, he had uh, emigrated from France, um, and he joined the military trying to improve his situation. Uh, He married. uh, uh, The two sons that survived were uh, Pierre, the older brother, Louis, the younger brother. Uh, uh, Their mother, his wife, died, and he remarried uh, and began kind of his sojourn west because that was how people moved up um, in the ranks and uh, began to gain a little prosperity. So uh, Louis Saint-Ange was born, uh, I believe, 1702. And uh, by the time he was in his younger years, his father had already effected this move from Canada near Montreal, where he was born, uh, uh, down to what we call the Illinois country. It was very interesting when I was watching TV. I've been watching some of the um, promotional uh, uh, things for the uh, event this week, and uh, one of the uh, announcers mentioned that uh, Belle Reve got its name from the last French commandant in Illinois. And I thought, wow, that's a telegraph version of it. You would have more questions why Illinois if we're in Missouri. Um, So all those things, of course, can be answered looking at the comprehensive history of the area. But in short, he came from a military family. Uh, He served France uh, well. Again, we're talking about the early 18th century There was no United States at this time, and this whole region was called the Illinois Country, both sides of the Mississippi River. So even way out on the Missouri River when uh, the family was out there at Fort Dorleon, which is near Arrow Rock. If you go out to Arrow Rock, they have a beautiful little tourist Mm -hmm. uh, center with some French artifacts they've they've dug up. Um, But this was considered the Illinois Country. So when I think of the Saint-Ange family and especially Louis uh, and, and these guys who were voting in 1910, I, I think of the words duty and honor and diplomacy. Mm-hmm. And they can't have known these things about Saint-Ange, uh, about Belle Rive uh, in 1910, but we know them now. And so I think it's it's wonderful to have this opportunity to to bring them to the forefront for a few days.
0: Before we go any further, I'd I'd like to bring in another party, if you will. We had an opportunity to uh, to talk with uh, Molly Codner of the Missouri Historical Society. There are still some relics of uh, of the era. Uh, at the Missouri History Museum, Molly Codner of the uh, Historical Society is an archivist, and we spoke with her on the phone yesterday, and I asked about what Saint-Ange de Bel-Rive artifacts they have at the Missouri History Museum.
2: Well, we do have a small collection. It's about two folders of a collection that we call the Louis Saint-Ange de bel Collection, but it really consists entirely of reproductions of, it's it's more like notes and things that people wrote about his life, biographical information and that sort of thing. So it's not any really exciting original documents. It would give background information, but not original documents. The primary documents that we have that are actually mentioned, Bell Reeve, or, or written by him, or are signed by him are in two different collections. One, and I think this is the one that Sharon primarily used for her book and the blog post that she wrote, is a collection that we call the St. Louis Archives. And that is a collection of very early French and Spanish colonial archives. So it consists of primarily legal documents, marriage contracts, wills, land deeds, Various types of papers, you know, that the government kept at that time. And some of them are in French and some of them are in Spanish, of course, because St. Louis was ruled by both the French and Spanish at different times.
0: Do these documents tell us anything about him in any sense? Do we learn anything about him through these documents or about St. Louis at the time?
2: Well, you certainly do learn about St. Louis at the time in terms of, I mean, a lot of them it shows you. For the collection, I should say that... A big WPA project during the Depression was to have people index this collection, and so we have several boxes of index cards that are by the person's name, whose name were on these various documents. So a lot of people use it for genealogy purposes, so they can see what document their ancestor either wrote or was mentioned in or that sort of thing. But it certainly does give you a sense of who was living in St. Louis at that time, who they were marrying, what kind of land exchanges were going on. So, I mean, yes, it certainly does give you an interesting view of what St. Louis was like at that time. I don't know that you can necessarily learn anything about Belle Reve specifically. I think in that collection it is you know documents that he signed it certainly tells you what sort of government affairs he was involved in at that time.
0: Well, no question he was a big deal, wasn't he?
2: That's right. That's right. And I mean honestly, it's somebody that I did not know anything about until Sharon and Carl Ekberg came here and started doing their research for the book that they wrote and, you know, for the blog that Sharon wrote for our, for our website.
0: Well, we'll have to try and figure out why a, an upper-class country club would uh, name itself after,
2: right. <laughs> after this guy. Right. I, I know. It's true. It's true.
0: That is Molly Cotter, Missouri Historical Society archivist. And of course, since that phone call, we have found out how and why Belle Reve Country Club uh, named itself after uh, Louis Saint Ange de Belle Reve. Louis Saint Ange de Belle Reve. I just love saying it, <laughs> or at least trying to. We have to take a break. That is uh, Sharon Persson you just heard here, professor of English at St. Louis Community College. We'll come back and talk more about this man uh, who is uh, even more famous than ever as of uh, as of this week. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back. We'll continue our conversation with Sharon Person about Louis Saint-Ange de belle in just a moment. But first, here are some of the stories our St. Louis Public Radio newsroom is following today. The full combination of Bayer and Monsanto could begin this month. The German company has one more unit to unload to ease concerns of U.S. antitrust regulators. Bayer acquired Monsanto in June for roughly $63 billion, but the companies have been operating independently until all divestitures to BASF are complete. Republican leadership in the Missouri House is distancing itself from controversial comments by the winner of a GOP primary in Clay County. Steve West made comments on a Kansas City area show this week promoting anti-Jewish views. Republican leaders have issued a statement saying such comments are, quote, out of line with our party's values. And a popular spot for visitors in Jefferson City is shutting down today for two years. The dome at the state capitol is closing for renovations. It's part of a $29 million overhaul of the 100-year-old building that should be finished in late 2020. You can find out more about these and other stories this afternoon on St. Louis Public Radio and throughout the day at stlpublicradio.org. Now we're back to our conversation with Sharon Person, professor of English at St. Louis Community College. Our discussion centers on the name Belle Rive, Louis Saint-Ange de Belle Rive. You've got it. <laughs> <laughs> My high school French uh, <laughs> is paying off. Uh, Sharon, these were complicated times, weren't they, when uh, uh, Saint-Ange was, was active?
1: They were complicated times during his whole lifetime, but particularly in the years uh, when he was associated uh, with Saint-Louis. Uh, So in his earliest years, he was out with his father and brother at Fort Dorléans. They were on a diplomatic mission led by uh, Bourgmont uh, to make peace with the Western Indians. And again, the Native Americans so vastly uh, outnumbered the French in all of the area that was French North America. Uh, that skilled diplomacy was a must. And this is what Saint-Ange learned and practiced, <clears throat> not only in the 1720s, but um, after uh, 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 Vincennes uh, was uh, killed in the Battle of 1736. The post what we now know as Vincennes uh, was open. Louis Saint-Ange uh, was moved to become the commandant at uh, at Vincennes for several decades, he was there, and again he was known. <clears throat> excuse me, he was known for his skill in diplomacy. The French, uh, again, they were so outnumbered by the Native Americans around them that they knew they had to keep the peace. Uh, it was not a question of ever dominating the Native Americans. And and so Saint Ange was able to have uh, reasonable relations. Again, there, it was not a controlling relationship by any means. So uh, he kept the peace at at uh, Fort Vincennes. Uh, He was tapped to move to Fort Deschartes in 1764 because France lost the war. You know, in our American history classes, we learned that the French and Indian War was a very expensive war. And after the British won, the British did win, Uh, they levied the taxes on the American colonists to help pay for the war. Well, if it was difficult for the people who won the war, think how difficult it was for the people who lost Mm. the war. Mm -hmm. And again, these were the French here in the Illinois country, that, that were impacted over at Fort Deschartes in the little village of Kaskaskia. There had been uh, soldiers sent up from Fort Deschartes. Family members had been killed in the war. Again, these are great stories that we are just beginning to discover and write about in St. Louis history. Um, but yes, the, these were troubled times. St. Ange was called to, seven, uh, to Fort Deschartes in 1764 to help with the turnover to the British. Um, he did that. It is said—now, I, I am a real stickler um, in the Carl Eckberg School of Historical yeah. Thought. You, you go by source documents and not uh, hearsay or stories, or at least you have to qualify it. So it is said that when Louis Saint-Ange de Bel-Reef turned over Fort Deschartes to the British in October 1765, he would not lower— the French flag, uh, that he made the British uh, lower the French flag and put up the British flag. And after that uh, turnover was completed, again, he had been commandant for all of the Illinois country, and the Spanish had not showed up yet. Mm -hmm. So he went across the river and established himself at St. Louis. And so that is how he became the first administrator in St. Louis, because Fort DeChart was lost to the Uh, British. I
0: was going to ask about the Spanish and when when they pop into the picture because they certainly were a presence here in that era.
1: It's very interesting because uh, everybody knew that Spain, I mean, there was a secret treaty between France and and Spain, but I don't know how much of a secret it really was. So this idea that uh, the settlers here had no idea what was happening, uh, it just doesn't hold water. When you look at all of the personal connections, people who were involved in, in the fighting and the reports that came back to Fort Chartres from the east. Uh, the French had plans as soon as they realized that the war was not going their way. Um, and when uh, Montreal and Detroit fell, uh, the the French here knew in a very personal way that their lives were going to change. Um so again, Saint Ange moved over to uh, Saint Louis. Uh, the Spanish tried to take um, control, or you know, tried to take over from the French in 1767. They sent someone upriver, and they had let Saint Ange know this guy was coming. His name was Rue, Captain Rue. They told Rue Saint Ange is in charge. You listen to him when it comes to Indian diplomacy. And Rue was kind um, of—I hate to use the word incompetent, but, you know, he was not— He's
0: not going to mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He relied on Saint-Ange in all matters related to the Indians. Uh, And in fact, uh, the troops were told—the French troops under Saint-Ange were told that they could um, allow themselves to be uh, under the command of the Spanish commandant, but only if they wanted— they did not want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they stayed with Saint-Ange. Mm-hmm. And so Rue's main point, uh, his main purpose then, was to uh, establish forts for the Spanish on the Missouri River. And uh, those forts were built. They were never maintained. They were washed away. Uh, and Rue left, uh, not really in disgrace, but not under the best of conditions. And Saint-Ange stayed. And it wasn't until 1770 that a Spanish commandant actually came to replace him. Our,
0: our time is beginning to wind down, but, but where did he physically live? Did he live in what we now call St. Louis?
1: Absolutely. Um, after he uh, uh, surrendered Fort Deschartes, Uh this is where Pierre Leclerc comes into the story and you know I had to mention him eventually. <laughs> but um, I, I believe that Leclerc's role in all of this is that he built a uh, building that could serve as a headquarters for Saint-Ange's government. Um, So he lived in this building built by uh, Pierre Leclerc. And Leclerc was paid for it. It was rented. Uh, Mm. You know, he was was smart enough to get a contract (laughs) to do this.
0: And how did uh, Saint-Ange play out the rest of his life? Uh,
1: He retired again in 1770 when uh, the Spanish came up. He continued... um, uh, Participating in the life of the village as as close as two weeks before his death, he stood as a a witness in place of an absent father at a marriage um, in in St. Louis. And so he was still very much respected uh, by the people who lived there. He died around Christmas Day in 1774. He was buried. It would have been down at the old cathedral. Uh, the burial ground down there.
0: And the name lives on in, in, in so many different ways in our community, and we're hearing it every day and will for the next couple of days. Sharon Person, thank you so much for telling us this history, giving us this history lesson, and learning about the man that, uh, whose name uh, is part of a major golf tournament in St. Louis.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for having me.
0: Great to see you again. St. Louis On the Air is produced by Alex Hoyer and Evie Hemphill, with production assistance from Aaron Doerr, Caitlin Lally, and Charlie McDonald. The executive producer is Mary Edwards. St. Louis On the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Don Marsh. Down for you always, JT. Do you love me? Are you ready?